1: Listen to The Butterfly King on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We don't want to admit that we're human, if you will. And so I think modeling that conflict resolution and apology, like, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean it. Or I'm sorry I yelled at you. I shouldn't yell at you. (laughs) can really be be helpful. But looking back, it's okay to kind of laugh at ourselves, too, and realize that what were we thinking.
1: Yeah, we have to laugh at ourselves. Welcome to the Parent Footprint Podcast with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan, your host, and let me tell you about our mission at Parent Footprint. That mission is to make the world a more loving and compassionate place, one parent and one child at a time. We believe the key to raising happy, healthy, and engaged kids is for us parents to seek the same in our own lives, happiness, health, and engagement. We believe that awareness is the foundation of your vision of successful parenting, and with increased awareness and intention, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint on your children. Today's show is called Proactive Parenting with our guest, Dr. Heather McGuire. Dr. Heather has spent over a decade studying behavior and working with children, parents, and educators. She's a board-certified behavior analyst, doctoral level, and a credentialed school psychologist. In addition, she's a professor and the lead of the Applied Behavioral Analysis Program at her university. And last and most importantly, She has two amazing kids. Dr. Heather, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today, Dan.
1: So tell us how you got into this world of behavior, analysis, and of course, at some point, parenting. Tell us how your worlds have collided.
0: Yeah. So I was in the middle of my doctorate program. And actually, I have so I have two kids, like you said. And um, I was pregnant with my son in my doctorate program. And I was already a school psychologist. And one of the biggest issues I saw um, in the schools and, and whatnot was behavior issues. And even as a school psychologist, I didn't necessarily that the training that they were giving us in grad school was sufficient. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you talk to a lot of school psychologists, you know, they they will tell you they they feel a lot of times, you know, kind of underprepared to deal with behavior issues. So I started to look into, um, you know, working with behavior specifically, I started taking I was a little crazy. So I started taking classes in addition to my doctorate program Mm -hmm. um, and then eventually became a certified behavior analyst. So um, basically what that means is that, um, you know, I started to work with families in the home setting as well as, um, you know, continuing to work in the school setting. And, um, you know, I I worked with a diverse population of kids, um, but Probably the most prominent population of kids that you work with as a behavior analyst are those diagnosed with autism, Mm -hmm. and so you know we you know we helped their families and we helped uh, the kids with autism. You know, just kind of work through some of those really challenging behaviors, whether it was tantrums or aggressive behavior, things like that. And then when I was doing that as well, you know, I would talk to, you know, uh, eventually I had my, my son and, you know, I talked to other parents and they were like, oh, you know, everything that you're doing with, with kids with disabilities, um, what about the situation, you know, this situation with my kid? right right and so i started to notice that um you know while it, you know for families who had kids with disabilities they might have access to an, a behavior analyst like myself you know kind of for the average uh, you know everyday parenting situation there just wasn't a lot of really good evidence-based information. There was a lot of opinions, but not necessarily, you know, um, information that was based upon behavioral science. So, that's kind of where I had the idea to start, you know, working with parents, let's say, of kids. Maybe they didn't have a diagnosis of a disability, but just like, you know, everyday parenting issues. So, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I, how I got, you know, to where I am today.
1: With lots of education and lots of experience...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and what I love about what you're saying is because of our listeners. Of course, we have uh, plenty of people with neurodiverse kids. And, yes, yes, and also people that have neurotypical or what we're calling neurotypical kids. There's always yeah. new language out there, yes, and we yes. know that all growing humans have different developmental challenges and milestones, and we just yes. have to try to deal with them the best that way we can, regardless of our child's profile.
0: Uh, Yes, and I 100% agree with that.
1: So to set everyone up here, so on uh, Heather's website, there's a few things that I just want to read to you because it's going to give you hope. It says, Imagine a world where tantrums become less frequent and intense. Your kids get ready for the day without needing constant reminders. Bedtime is calm and pleasant, and you have a new sense of confidence and a better understanding of behavior. Like, who doesn't want that? (laughs)
0: hopefully uh, hopefully everybody definitely wants that right yeah Yeah. so I guess the idea is to give parents hope right because I think um and I think that the topic of proactive parenting today you know will hopefully result in a lot of your listeners having hope but those are just some of the common things that you know parents are struggling with um in terms of the day-to-day and it's those things that cause a lot of frustration so um you know there's actually a lot of things and I don't want to say that they're easy per se, but they're not rocket science, if you will. Okay. There are things that are more simple changes that you can make um, that will you know, create a meaningful difference.
1: So why don't we give us the 20,000-foot you know, view conceptually, and then we're going to drill down into these different strategies that you have found to be successful um, in parenting kids. What would you say your how would you frame this up for our listeners?
0: Yeah, so here's the deal. I think that it's very easy to fall into what I would like call a reactive state of parenting because you end up being in survival mode if you will, mm-hmm. right, where, um, you know, you're, you know, you're trying to get all the things done, and your kids are acting out, and you just kind of fall into this routine of disciplining. And it's not that, you know, I, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, because, you know, even I have to, I always admit, like me as a parent, even though I have, you know, the training and the information, it's easy for me to still fall into that as well. But what I'm hoping with, you know, trying to help parents have this, you know, proactive parenting approach is that there's lots of things we can do to prevent your, you know, kids from having problematic behavior. So if we kind of shift our focus to trying to put like, let's say, 80% of our energy and effort into kind of this proactive or preventative mode, then hopefully we'll only have to spend, let's say, 20% 20% of our energy on more the reactive, you know, disciplining things like that.
1: Just 20%. That's the,
0: that's the hope. We're all we're all striving, okay. you know, and right. and I say this, you know, um definitely um you know uh, as a, as a parent, so I have two kids. So Addie is six and Landon mm-hmm. just turned nine. And, you know, every every day is a different day. And uh, actually, so my son Landon has a diagnosis of ADHD and he mm-hmm. is a, an amazing and, and bright and, uh, you know, kid. Um, but obviously, you know, no matter what you do, you're still going to have those hard days, those struggles. So it's not to minimize that. But again, kind of going back to what we were talking about a second ago, it's more to give that sense of hope that change is possible because I think as parents, we can get in kind of that defeated mindset, if you will.
1: Mm -hmm. And um, for listeners that um, behavior analysts are often working with percentages and numbers and reinforcers and redirections. And so when you said 20%, it made me think, okay, there's a number, which I know how you're using (laughs) it. But in your approach, do you... Do you ask parents to keep track of different sort of behaviors?
0: So if I wear my hat as a board-certified behavior analyst, you're right. Like a lot of what we do is is, is a numbers game in that we never want to um, assume that some of the, let's say, intervention strategies that we're using are effective unless we have data to back it up. But, you know, for, I know this from just, you know, uh, working with uh, parents and, and whatnot yeah what I'm talking about, you know, with, let's say, uh, typically developing kids and, you know, kind of what I want to focus on today, I'm not asking parents to, let's say, collect data, right? Um, And Because hopefully, you know, if if those parents have kids, let's say, who are having more severe problem behavior, so if it's, you know, aggressive behavior or, you know, let's say even self-injurious behavior, hopefully what what I want them to do is, you know, seek out professional help. But instead, you know, I want to give them some, you know, more more simple tools and strategies to kind of just change their approach um, to everyday parenting situations so that they can have a more peaceful home, if you will. So I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. I I kind of, you know, try to actually take off my professor hat, right? So Mm -hmm. take off my numbers and, and drilling down on that, but to make it as accessible as possible for parents who are already busy and overwhelmed and whatnot.
1: Awesome. And that's the key, right? To make all of this accessible. So everyone yeah. knows that this stuff, you can do it. Yeah. And it, it works. Yeah. So okay, so where do we start?
0: Yeah. So um basically what I want to talk about today, hopefully, is you know, what are what are four things that you can do as a parent to, you know, change from that more reactive mode of parenting to that proactive mode of parenting. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I want to talk about, um, again, maybe sounds a little bit simple, uh, but it's catching your kids being good as much as possible and praising them for it. So, you know, kind of back to what you were saying a second ago, behavior analysts, what do we talk about a lot? We talk about reinforcement. So that is that idea of positive reinforcement, but more like a simple level, you know, so I think about my son. So my son, who's nine, we have um, daily chores uh, that he does and nothing crazy. He he feeds the dogs and and cleans his room, right? Like simple and appropriate for a nine-year-old, but he definitely struggles, especially with feeding the dogs. Like he doesn't like to feed our dogs, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, so the times that he feeds the dogs, he feeds them in the morning and at night. And uh, the morning is crazy, you know, especially during the school week. What are we doing? Yeah. We're trying to get the kids out the door um, you know, make sure that they're uh, dressed and, you know, they've eaten, things like that. So it's a crazy time. And then kind of flip to the end of the day, you know, the time where he's feeding the dogs is, is another crazy time. I, I don't know about you, but I, I call it the witching hour.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it's
0: called. Yes. Yes. So try everybody's blood sugar is low. Everybody's tired and whatnot. And so I'm I, a lot of times as a mom, like I am really busy during those times. And so, um, you know, and he, uh, it, it's, Sometimes it's much easier to notice when he's, let's say, complaining or arguing about his chore of feeding the dogs. And, and if that happens, I'm going to redirect him and say, you know, oh, no, you, you know, that this is your job, your responsibility, that sort of thing. But sometimes what happens is he feeds the dogs without complaining. And unfortunately, I don't always notice <laughs> mm. because I'm so busy. So just yeah. as like the, the reminder that, you know, kids... Um, even it, this is this is true that uh, sometimes any attention is better than no attention. Yep. and our kids, especially during those hard times of the day, they're craving our attention. So if he is more likely to get attention when he complains, even if it's more like a, a let's say, even a reprimand, right on my end, like, you know, nope, you need to feed the dogs, he uh, you know, will be. Uh, if, if I want him to, you know, do those things without complaining or arguing, I need to make that cognizant effort to catch him when, he's, when he is listening and to give him a lot of, you know, praise for that and encouragement for that.
1: And how does he respond?
0: <laughs> you know, kids, you know, and, and a lot of time parents might say, oh, that's overly simplistic. But the the reality is, that for the most part, like the kids want our approval. They want our praise. And so, um, you know, and the end result isn't just how he feels in that moment. There is science and evidence to support that when we do those things, what the most likely response is, is that in the future, he'll be more likely to do it without complaining or arguing.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, note to listeners: This also works with spouses and partners.
0: <laughs> My husband always accuses me of using, uh, you know, <laughs> behavioral tactics on him. And also, he's done a bunch of editing for me throughout the year. So sometimes he actually tries to use the tactics on me without <laughs> me knowing, which is really funny.
1: That's good. That's good. Yeah. We all want to be praised for what we're doing right, and it does make us want to do it again.
0: Yeah, yeah. So one of the, um, so I teach grad school and I teach uh, behavior analysis classes to grad students. And in one of the intro classes that I teach, we talk about, and I can't remember the exact, um, the authors or the year of the study, but we talk about one study where you know, and I think that may have movement in the '60s, um, where uh, there was, you know, uh, teachers in a classroom that were that were struggling with, I think they were like maybe first grade students, and the kids weren't on task. And so, what what the um, researchers noticed is that again, like the teachers were, you know, just kind of constantly redirecting when the kids were kind of off task. And so, the only strategy that they recommended that the teachers use was this, you know, uh, basically. At, you know, paying less attention or making less of a notice for, you know, off-task behavior, but finding the kids in the classroom who were on task and giving them a lot of praise. And just by that one thing, hmm. you know, there was drastic change in the classrooms and the kids uh, as a whole, all the kids started to have, you know, higher rates of, you know, on-task behavior. So, it, it, you know, it works in the classroom, definitely, but it, def- it also works in, in the home setting.
1: That's a powerful study. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So number 1, we are going to catch our kids being good and praising them for it. Yes. Um and then what is where do we move on from there?
0: Yeah, so another thing I want to talk about is this. It's the importance of teaching our kids respectful negotiation skills. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so as parents, uh we have to sometimes remind ourselves that we're not looking for blind obedience if you will. Like maybe blind obedience in the moment is easier to deal with because we have all the all all the things that are on our schedule things that we need to do, right? But the reality is that in the long term We want our kids to be leaders. We want them to be thinkers. You know, we don't want them to get into their teenage or, you know, adult years and just kind of go with the flow. We want them to have a voice and to be heard. And so kind of just as an example, what I'm hoping, you know, and it's not that I want my kids to just argue and, you know, to go go back with everything I say. It's, it's not that, Um, but it's, you know, teaching the importance of teaching our kids how to um, respond. Like, so for example, if I ask, if my son's reading a book right before bed, right. And I, you know, I say, okay, Landon, it's time to go to bed. And, you know, so blind obedience would be like, okay, but like, what if he's on the last you know, three paragraphs of the book he's been reading, right? So stopping in that moment would be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So it's giving him that voice and kind of you know, and this is where it becomes proactive because I can't teach it to him right in that moment. I need to find a, a different day and time, you know, beforehand, so that he has the the words to say. To say, but it's it's teaching him to say something like this: "Hey, mom." you know, I'm on the last page of my book. Is it okay if, and then, you know, giving giving me what his request is. And then my job as the parent is, if at all possible, to, you know, Give him that opportunity. Um, but then his job as the child is like, if I say, you know, because sometimes I'm still going to have to say no. Um, mm-hmm. Like, let's say it's 15 or 20 minutes past his bedtime and I know he needs to get up early and, and do whatnot. Or, you know, uh, what if I have something I need to do right away, whatever. So sometimes he's just going to have to comply with. Um, But a lot of times we can be flexible. And so it's like teaching kids the right words to say so that they are, you know, still, um, you know, being, you know, respectful, but that they don't just have to, you know, listen without, um, you know, having a voice to whatever we Mm -hmm. say to them, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, Very much. And it reminds me of also an approach that um, I've used for years in with my clients and also with my own kids, which is that Ross Green's collaborative problem solving approach where we're really teaching our kids to engage and we actually really are want to listen to come up with some solution that they're invested in that they have yes. buy in with
0: yes 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 so buy in is so important and i talk about that a lot um you know later on we'll talk about you know how you might use a reward system and like buy in is so important because so you know there's a lot of things that you know we potentially can work in terms of you know, helping our kids uh, improve their behavior. But it, as parents, sometimes accidentally we sabotage those things and then we lose our kids' buy-in. And then once, you're, once your kid's buy-in is lost, it's not that there's no hope. It's just that you know, there's a lot of work that we end up having to do on our end to kind of regain that buy-in, if you will.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so now we've taught them... How to Negotiate Respectively, which is also giving them skills for life. Yes. And what's next?
0: So I think it's important to be innovative and to be, you know, willing to change the environment because like what works today won't necessarily work tomorrow. So if you just kind of um, a few examples like... um, so and actually I think uh, recently you did a uh, podcast episode on screen time right Mm -hmm. and so screen time is this one of these things that as parents you know in today's age we we think about a lot you know and so I think back to screen time so there have been um, situations where in the past um, I have uh, not allowed my kids to have screen time during the week Um, and then uh, and that's worked you know really well for one reason or another Um, and then and I, you know, so that actually, I think back to about a year ago. We were there. We we're in that place where I'm like, okay, screen time, you know, isn't working. I've noticed that uh, my kids are having a hard time transitioning off of screen time, and and whatnot but then you know things change, right and so I then the next you know stage right a few things changed and one of the things I noticed is that you know screen time became highly motivating right so if right. if there's a, th- a list of things that my kids need to do after school you know like let's say homework and chores and things like that um, I started to realize that for them in that moment screen time could be very motivating and um, you know and, and I was like okay well maybe I'm gonna try you know you know, allowing my kids to have screen time, you know, a little bit during the week again. So we did that for a period of time and it and it worked pretty well. Um, but then most recently this past week, I started to notice some of um, those same things where I think what one of the things that had changed was this. My kids, my, my son, um, who's in third grade, he was having more homework than he used to have right Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden it became highly stressful to him because he was trying to figure out time management and he was being very diligent in all the things he had to do but really he didn't have enough time to do everything he needed to do right and have screen time (laughs) and so all of a sudden it became this anxiety provoking thing and so I kind of once again had to readjust and I was like okay I think we're going to shift back to no screen time during the week. And, I, you know, not framing it as a discipline, you know, kind of just talking to him about how, you know, we have lots of things going on during the week. You know, during the weekend, he has like a screen time allotment and uh, where he, uh, you know, can decide how and when he uses it. I said, but I think, you know, during the week, we're going to go back to no screen time, which, of course, he wasn't thrilled about. But I can tell you over the last few days, I've noticed that anxiety drop. Whereas like, so for example, one of his homework assignments every day is reading. And he, because screen time wasn't on, you know, wasn't an option. All of a sudden he didn't have to like hurry through his reading. He's like, hey mom, I think I want to finish this book today. You know, I'm, um, I'm going to read more than I, you know, more than my, the 20 minutes that my teacher, you know, is making me read or whatever. So again, kind of like going back, What works today won't necessarily work tomorrow. And if you find yourself in a situation where something isn't working, um, you know, actually thinking and trying to be innovative of of strategies that could work rather than, because a lot of times I don't know about you and your parenting, but for me, it can just be easy to kind of get stuck in that rut. And then you get into these like repeated situations where you're frustrated, your kids are frustrated, but you know, you're not changing anything.
1: For sure, for sure. And I the word that keeps coming to me, the concept is flexibility. So what I, yeah. I like about this approach is you're you're being flexible and you're modeling flexibility and you're explaining why you're changing, as opposed yeah. to how our kids, you know, want us to be like, this is the rule and this is the rule always. And and we, I think as parents, sometimes think about that as well. Never screams yes. this time, but no, there's there's exceptions. And healthy people are able to be flexible and adapt, given the situation.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it kind of just depends on where you're at. So another thing I talk about is this, like, okay, so let's say um, some of your listeners out there, let's say they, um, uh, some of the moms are pregnant and they are dealing with like not feeling well and nausea and things like that. In that moment, you know, so they might have a, a, something in their, their mind of like, oh, I don't want my kids to be on screens too much, which is important, right? But kind of going back to that flexibility you know, it for for a season, for a period of time, they might choose to maybe allow more screens than they, you know, might normally. To kind of, you know, go with what works in that moment, without necessarily, you know, getting to into that trap of feeling that mom or you know dad guilt that we can all get trapped in um, to feeling.
1: I'm excited to tell you all about a company that is fully aligned with our mission at Parent Footprint to create a loving and healthy world, one child and parent at a time. This company is called Wild Foods. Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability and health first in all of their products. They have everything from coffee to fish oil and every single product is painstakingly sourced from small farms all around the world. And they take their mission as seriously as we do. Their mission is to fix the broken food system. And they believe that real food is medicine. They have partnered with us to give all of our listeners 12% off your order if you use the code FOOTPRINT12. You've got to check these guys out. They're at wildfoods.co. Okay, so we are catching them being good and praising. We are teaching them respectful negotiation. We are being innovative and flexible and changing the environment based on the circumstances. Yeah. And now are we working our way up to a reinforcement plan? Yeah,
0: yeah. And really Uh, quick too, I was just thinking one last thing about the last thing about changing the environment. A lot of times we have the tools to make the change, but it's just hard to do it. So I think about there was a situation this past summer. Um, so I signed my kids up. Um, so I'm a, I'm a professor, I, I do a few different things. But during the summers, um, I have more flexible hours. And um, I was kind of working on a side project um, this summer. And so um, anyways, I, I my husband and I had decided that our kids were going to go to this really cool camp, right? It's one of those camps where, you know, they get to swim, they get to do like, it, you know, it, it, it was a lot of fun. But what I didn't look at before I signed them up for this camp and committed a bunch of their summer to that was traffic and how far away it was. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I swear as parents, we don't realize that we're going to end up uh, one of our primary du- duties is going to be that of the chauffeur, but I found myself in that chauffeur uh, for the, the summer for a mm-hmm. bit driving back and forth. And and in fact, um, you know, trying to be like cognizant of um, saving gas money, you know, we were taking our small car versus the SUV. And um, so my kids had to sit like really close to each other and they were bored in the car. So I found that every day for like, you know, the first few weeks of camp, they, it, we were getting into this pattern where they would, you know, we'd start the, the trip and then they would start, you know, at, you know, like, Edging too close together. And then I'm like, okay, there's a line. So you see the line? Yes. You sit on this side. You.
1: I'm not touching you. I'm not touching
0: <laughs> you. You sit on that yeah. side. So then my son would start, like, you know, kind of like edging his fingers over. And Hattie's like, he's on my side. And, you know, so basically, and this is kind of embarrassing to admit as a behavior analyst and, and you know, the, you You're know, yeah, I'm human. And so all of a sudden, like this is how it would basically start to end. I would finally be like, you know what? You know, you guys need to stop fighting and nobody is talking for the rest of the trip. No talking. Yes. <laughs> uh, and um, so, you know, and this happened for for a little bit. And then one day my kids got out of the car and I kind of just looked at myself and I was defeated and frustrated. And I just kind of looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, what are you doing? Like, if you were talking to a parent with this situation, what would you tell them? And, it highlights the importance of kind of mindset where you might know how to change the environment, but you know, again, you're human, and so it, it, you you might not, even though even though you know how, it's really not until you make that decision to make the change that you will actually make it. So I I went home. I came up with like a list of things that they could do in the car. So I kind of diagnosed the issue. You know, it was it was you know, a, attention seeking behavior, and why? Because they were bored. So I came up, you know, with a a list of things that they could do in the car, things that they, you know, didn't have available to them outside of the car time, right? So I increased the value of the activity by saying like, okay, you can only do it in the car. And so just by coming up with a few little things they could do in the car, you know, they were distracted and they didn't fight with each other. And so just by, but it wasn't until, I guess, the, the main point of that, it wasn't until I kind of made that decision to change my mindset and to shift to mm-hmm. this you know, proactive approach that it changed. Um, so anyways, it's it's. Yeah. we know how to change the environment a lot of times. We just, you know, life happens and we don't do it.
1: Exactly. And thank you for that story because everyone needs to hear that even though we do this stuff for a living, we fall into all of the same oh, for traps, sure. desperation yes. as they do. And my kids certainly do this, have done the same thing. And I was just having a flashback of when my brother and I were your kids' ages. And I think we were driving back from a trip from San Diego, if I recall. I remember my parents (laughs) saying, we are never taking you on a trip again. <laughs> like,
0: and I, I never thinking,
1: again. I remember thinking that sounds really final, but uh, you know, we we went on other trips. But we've all been there. We've all been there.
0: Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. we make as parents, we we can all be guilty of yeah. making threats that we don't intend keeping. I actually, yes. when you said that, it reminded me last year. My kids, like uh, it was a few days before my son's birthday party, and um, my kids they have separate rooms now, but they ha- they shared a room up until recently, and they were supposed to go to bed, and they were arguing and not going to bed and, and whatnot, and so finally I I went into their bedroom, um, and, um, and you know it was really my son who was bothering my daughter, I could tell, so I was like Landon, if I have to come in here again, I'm canceling your birthday party, and then I was like. I can't believe I just said that. I'm not <laughs> going rewind, to, rewind. Rewind. Yeah, yeah. you know, and I can't believe I said that because I've, obviously I'm not going to cancel his birthday party. So don't make <laughs> yeah, threats that yeah. you're not going to keep. But right. also like, why, why would I, why would I say that? You know, so, and actually, you know, that kind of highlights. So if you, if any of your listeners, you know, are resonating with that, one of the things that I would suggest in situations like that, and it can be hard, but apologize to your kids, get mm-hmm. into the habit. It, you know, it, as parents, a lot of times we can feel like, you know, we um, we, we don't want to admit that we're human, if you will. And so I think modeling that, you know, conflict resolution and apology, like, I'm sorry I said that. I didn't mean it. Or I'm sorry I yelled at you. I shouldn't yell at you, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, can be, can really yes. be be helpful. But looking Absolutely. back, it's okay to kind of laugh at ourselves too and realize that we have what to. were we thinking
1: yeah we have to laugh at ourselves
0: yes yes
1: okay oh, so yeah. reinforcement
0: yeah yeah so um by the way i have a uh, resource for your listeners so we'll talk uh in, in a moment i'll start talking about you know reinforcement systems reward mm-hmm. systems motivation systems but if they go to my website prism behavior p-r-i-s-m behavior.com forward slash free guide what they can do is actually download a guide of how to use reward systems with kids of different ages because you use it you know somewhat differently with kids of different ages but really kind of the key to um you know proactive parenting where you're spending most of your effort on um you know preventing um you know behavior issues rather than reacting to them is Mm -hmm. a reward system and so, um, you know, again, there's lots of different types, but let me tell you a little bit about the, um, the type of reward system that I use with my own kids. Um, and so, basically, with my own kids, I use a quarter system where they have, I mean, it sounds official, but really, they have a the piggy bank each, okay? Mm-hmm. And what I do is I have a list of uh, behaviors that, um, that they do uh, to earn quarters. Okay, and so you know, and it, it, again, it it changes from time to time. But like when I first started using the system with them, the the two main issues that I was seeing in terms of their behavior was doing homework, right? Because they didn't want to do their homework, um, and I mean, I could get on a, a pedestal and talk about how I don't agree with homework, but that's a different. Um, conversation for a different day for now they do homework and they you know that's the that's the expectation Mm -hmm. so um you know so they were you know so doing homework and by the way i would give them um a certain amount of um quarters for completing their homework but then i would give um, them like you know homework or uh, quarters in in addition to that if they did their homework without complaining or arguing because i wanted to no matter what as long as they did it it -hmm. was like they got the reward, but then they got an even better reward if they did it without complaining or arguing, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, having a good attitude.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so because I had found that, you know, homework, again, it was one of those situations where we were just going to battle every day mm-hmm. and it was hard on them and hard on me. And um, so that was one behavior we chose to focus on. Um, and then another behavior we, were, we chose to focus on was getting ready on time. In the morning and mm-hmm. so if they um you know so they had their checklist of what they needed to do and so as long as they got ready on time then they would uh, get quarters so those were kind of the two things we were um you know when i initially was using this system with my kids what i was rewarding them for mm-hmm. and so here was like the basic idea and again this is more this type of reward system is probably more appropriate for kids who are in elementary school who mm-hmm. kind of have a concept of you know, more a little bit more of delayed gratification, right? Because we could talk about how, you know, for younger kids, definitely you need rewards that happen more right away. Mm -hmm. Um, But then for my kids, what we would do then, you know, initially at the end of the week, but then, you know, later on at the end of the month, what they would do is be able to basically divide their quarters into different piles right so one pile would go towards like spending money one would go towards their savings account and then one would go towards giving um giving away to charity to our church nice. and the idea here too was like okay i want to reward appropriate behavior but i also want to take any opportunity i can to teach kind of like you know financial responsibility to kids at a young age
1: that uh, that is wonderful because it's you know there's and i wanted to ask you about the critics uh there's you know critics yeah. of this approach that yeah. um i want to ask you a question about and i love that not only are you reinforcing a positive behavior but then also it's not just about money and getting stuff right you're right. teaching about saving you're teaching about yes you can get stuff for yourself and this is how we also give and help others
0: yeah yeah so, so bring on the critics, critics. Yes. yeah
1: the critic question because i get this all the time too over the years which is yeah But if you reinforce them for doing things that they're supposed to do anyways, then aren't they just going to grow up wanting to be paid and reinforced for everything they do?
0: Right. And so, uh, well, first of all, I think that that's a a valid point. Um, By the way, there is research to suggest that if we provide kind of like arbitrary reinforcement or rewards for things that kids already do, that is not helpful. So, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, if, if your child's not struggling with something, so for example, if they're already doing their homework without complaining, it would be not advisable to, you know, incorporate that into their reward system because then what you might see, is actually a reliance on well, you know where they used to do their homework for you know nothing if you will, or for just because that's what they're supposed to do. Um, and then you then you were to start to pay them for it, let's say. then you actually and then you tried to take that reward away, that would be problematic. So there is research to suggest that. So mm-hmm. choosing behaviors that your child is actually struggling with is really important. Yes. But here's the reality. We in life, everything that we do has some sort of reinforcement. So to kind of get a little bit, you know, nerdy, if you will, Mm -hmm. like, you know, as a behavior analyst, I break behavior down into, you know, the um, antecedent behavior consequence or, you know, the setting before the behavior happens, um, like what that looks like, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The behavior itself, and then what happens after the behavior. So as people, we only do things that, um, you know, result in some type, of reward where we, you know, want uh, something positive happens and then, you know, then, then we're more likely to do them again. So that's just kind of how we operate as people. If you, if you break behavior down to its, you know, very simplistic, um, to a very simplistic right. understanding. So whether you know that it's there or not, um, we're providing, we're, we're getting provided that reinforcement. Um, and And for sure, you know, if, you know, for kids, let's say who, if you're if your kids, like I said before, are not struggling with homework, you know, then uh, you know probably just the fact that you're giving them that praise and whatnot is enough. But for things that they actually are struggling with, so here you have to kind of weigh the, these two things. So you can either continue to, you know, create have this dynamic of struggle and right, frustration right, and right. lack of progress, right? Yep. Or you can use a motivation system like that and and then, you know, see the types of outcomes that you want where rather than your child arguing and complaining, you know, that they are starting to do their homework. And then you won't have to necessarily, you know, reward them for that forever. So I think about my own son now, like he and, and my daughter as well, they do their homework now without complaining or arguing. We've been able to move on. Um, the, the, the chores are things. still a little bit of a struggle, right. but like, you know, we've been able to move on because, you know, he like, I think about my son specifically, because he was the one who was struggling more with it. You know, he was able to come in uh, and, and realize that, yeah, he got the quarters and the praise for the homework, but also then he was able to see that he got, you know, praise from his teacher and he was able to see that he was doing well in school. So then kind of those natural consequences and that natural rewards, you know, were able to kick in for him so just because you provide more like arbitrary reinforcement initially there's not evidence to suggest that you know you can't fade that back and that it's you know, right. harmful right does that make sense right
1: It makes perfect sense and the other thing that is totally aligned that i tell parents all the time is most of us do a incentive system to help our kids learn to use the potty
0: yeah and
1: once they do, none of us have to give them stickers <laughs> to use the potty. Because, no, forever, like, no. You, you internalize this self, the sense of competence. And then in most cases, you like the skill that you have gained. And then you're willing to do it for intrinsic reasons instead of, extrinsic or external. Yeah, yeah. So
0: basically what you're doing when you use a reward system is you're accelerating the learning process, right? Uh, And so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and again, it's not that your kids would never learn how to do their homework without complaining, okay? But they might learn how to do it a lot faster, but also your home might be a more, you know, peaceful place if you use a reward system, if that makes sense.
1: That makes perfect sense and that's what we all want is a more peaceful home where the relationship does yes. not get eaten up by all of the conflict and the day-to-day weeds of all the stuff that we're dealing with with our kids. Yeah. Okay. So, Heather, we, yes. you have enlightened us with, I'm going to repeat these four things for people to think about and then we're moving to the parent footprint moment question. Perfect. Okay. So, catch kids being good and praise them. Teach them about respectful negotiation. Be innovative and willing to change the environment. And then set up strategic, well-thought-out reward systems based on things that they have not yet learned and are causing a lot of conflict that you want to accelerate the learning process.
0: Yes, Yes. All
1: right. Okay. So parent footprint moment question. Tell us about a time when you became aware of yourself as a parent or as an individual and that new awareness had a positive impact on your child.
0: Yeah, so I think back to probably, it's really one of the defining um, moments in my life as an adult, but it definitely had a significant impact um, in my parenting. Um, five, it's I think it's been about five years I was like coming out of one of the hardest years of my life. Okay. So um, unfortunately I had a situation, a health situation um, mm-hmm. where I had a uh, six surgeries in nine months. Wow! Um, and it was, it was pretty crazy. Um, so, and at that time, by the way, I was, so I had already had both of my kids um, and my son, I think was three and my daughter was about one. And also, like, right before I started, you know, a few months before I had my first surgery, I had started a new job. And it was supposed to be this, like, the end-all, be-all job. Um, and, but it ended up, even though, you know, there was a lot of positive things about that job, it was very stressful. Um, and, you know, I... it uh, I think under other circumstances, it would have been different. But, like, you know, being a young mom and having the health situation and then having that job, it just became really hard and then in the midst of all that um, we had a babysitter who had been um, watching our kids for a few years we trusted her with everything and she ended up stealing from us oh, God. and it was heartbreaking um, and so I, we had to um, so uh, unfortunately we had to let her go and so we, we were like trying we had been um, trying kind of unsuccessfully to find a good replacement for her and there was just this moment so I came home from work and, um, my son was on the floor playing, um, with his, the newest sitter who, by the way, had just put in her notice hmm. that she was going to go off and do something else. Um, unfortunately it seemed like she kind of actually used, uh, us just as a stepping stone and then she had other plans. Um, so she never had even planned to stay with us long-term. And so anyways, I like came home and my son's playing with her. And he can't remember her name. <laughs> and so first he calls her the the name of the one babysitter who, yeah. you know, who um, had stolen from us. And, you know, that had been heartbreaking. That was still raw. Then he called her the next babysitter's name. So he like cycles through these names and can't remember her name. And I, and I don't know what it was um, about that moment. But I just kind of had a reckoning with myself. And I was like, you know what? I didn't really ever see my life you know, happening this way, but, you know, with all the the stress and all that, I decided in that moment, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to quit my job. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't have any plans, uh, you know, and I, by the way, I was, um, I, I was still, I was a part-time adjunct instructor as well, and I could do some contract assessments and whatever, but the, the big job that, you know, whatever, I was like, you know, I think I need some time like mm-hmm. to heal not only you know and at that moment i was done with all you know i had i no other surgeries were on the horizon but it just i i needed to recover still like physically mentally emotionally spiritually all those things and so I made kind of a a radical decision. My friends and family were shocked. I've always been very type A, go-getter, you know, Mm -hmm. whatnot. And, um, you know, and then, you know, by the way, eventually a year later, I accepted the position at the university where I work today. And, And so, but... Really, for that short period of time, I just needed that time to, you know, kind of reestablish my relationship with my kids and and to do mm-hmm. all those things and work on myself um, so that I was kind of ready for that next phase of my life, if you will.
1: That was a big sort of like this earthquake awareness, right? I mean, yes. you had so many, so many Adverse it was the culmination, yeah, it was the yeah. culmination
0: of so many things. But I'll just be a hundred percent honest as as hard as that situation was. And by the way, I'm very, you know, I'm healthy today. no no issues. Wonderful. but, yeah. yeah, but as hard as that was, I honestly think that it ended up being like not that I would want to go through that situation again, but i I mm-hmm. can see the positive in it and I am at a totally different place today so that I would be like well going through that hard situation was almost Mm -hmm. I would say worth it in terms of you know where I am today is a completely different place and I would be a completely different person and a mom if I hadn't gone through that hard situation
1: yes and your I am sure your son loved having you there
0: Yes. yes, actually, I was just talking to my kids last night. Um, so I I'm a professor, but I you know I teach grad school at night, and then also I um, teach some online classes, and I do um, you know I have my Prism Parenting podcast, and and a few things going on. But I have flexibility in my schedule, so I get to see my kids a lot. And I was talking to my son last night, and I was like, Do you even remember? You know, do you remember when I had a you know a job where I like left the house every single day, and you had a babysitter and all that. And he was like, I don't remember that mom, you know, so it's it's kind of funny to think it, you yeah. know, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but for him, it's a lifetime.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. And I'm glad yeah. that you are healthy. Thank you. Yes. yes. Okay, so you led us right to the next phase of winding down here, which is yeah. tell everyone again about your website, about your podcast, where they can find all of the work that you're doing.
0: Yeah. So my website is prismbehavior.com. You'll find different resources there. Um, and actually, it's kind of exciting. I'll be um, launching a parenting course this year. So more on that later. Nice. Um, but I have the Prism Parenting Podcast. And you can find that anywhere you find pod- your podcasts, right? And um, uh, that guide is at prismbehavior.com forward slash free guide and I'll walk you through how to use different rewards and motivation systems with kids of different ages. Um, And then I'm on Instagram um, at prismbehavior.
1: Heather, thanks so much for your wisdom and sharing and open and honesty today with all of us. Uh, So it just helps every time we hear an expert um, talk about their own real journey within the professional uh, area of expertise because we're all in this together doing the best we can. And we have to be kind to ourselves and keep learning as we go.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. You know what to do. Check us out at www.parentfootprint.com. Subscribe to this podcast. Share it with others who want to live full lives themselves and raise happy, healthy, and engaged kids. Be the person you want your child to become. And as always, ask yourself the guiding question, what footprint do you want to leave?